Yes! You know it. It's that time. You know that's right. If you are tuned in, then you have now positioned yourself to become undeniable in your pursuit of personal, professional, and spiritual excellence. Now, I hope you are pursuing excellence, but if you are not making an impact with your life, then you have come to the right place today. Welcome to this tax-saving episode of Become Undeniable. I am your new favorite host, Brad Austin. Killing it on the mic end, as always, keeping it real no matter whose feelings it hurts, while providing undeniable value to you every step of the way. Question for you. How many of you actually enjoy paying taxes? Now, that's, that is a serious question. <laughs> How many of you enjoy it? I ask that because we've all been trained to believe that taxes are just a way of life. Yeah that it's an, an inevitable reality that we just have to deal with. We got to live with it. You've heard the saying, right? Death and taxes, the only certainties in life, <laughs> right? We've been trained to fear the IRS because of all the horror stories that we've all heard, right? Imagine, now just imagine, seriously, just, just step out of your own mind for a second and imagine if there was a way that you could stop paying almost 100% of the taxes you currently pay and that this could all be done Legally, let that sink in. Legally, my special guest today is here to empower you with information that can legally reduce your tax burden by at least 97%. His name is Don Thornton. He is a veteran real estate investor and a senior trust specialist, which you will learn very soon why that is highly important. Don, how are you today, sir? I'm doing fantastic. I'm I tell you, that, that intro music got me going. <laughs> then it did its job, man. I want to set the tone for people to to get into it and, and be listening because you have got some important stuff to say, my friend. I'm so glad we met because this, whew, this conversation is not happening anywhere near enough, in my opinion. All right. Mm-hmm. And I think I think a lot of that reason is because, again, like I said in the mon- in the monologue, we have been fully trained from a very long time ago to 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 accept taxes that they are a way of life etc and i'm hoping that you can start breaking through that mental barrier in the people in our audience man i really hope um i really hope that's the case but i want to ask you to be a history teacher for a second if that's all right sure because i know you're my you are full of knowledge bro you you you've got a lot of information and I just think that people need to, I think it's time, it's important to go back first, mm-hmm. right? To, to talk about the precedents that have been set, the foundations that have been set, how they got set and everything else. So if you would, brother, give us, give us a history lesson real quick on how taxes got so embedded into our lives. Well, you know, I hope most people know, though I'm unfortunately, I've come to the conclusion that most people don't. Is it not even yes. when the tax code was implemented? I mean, the tax code was not implemented in, in the United States until the 1930s. You know, I mean, before that, there was no income tax. There was no, I mean, there was no tax code, I should say. And mm. it was only then that everything was codified, codified into what is allowable and what is not allowable. And, you know, you had people that just gradually got used to doing things a certain way. And, it's interesting because the burden of the tax code is really on W-2 employees for the most part. If you look at yeah. how we are looking at things now, most corporations don't pay any taxes, right? Yes. The people who make you know, less amount of money, they don't pay taxes. The core group of people that pay taxes are employees of some kind of an entity and they get a W-2. That's just the way it is, you know, and it's, yeah, absolutely. It is. So, oh man. So, so was, I was, again, my mind is a little foggy right now and it shouldn't be, but you said that taxes weren't really codified until the thirties. Now, what didn't they, didn't it start in 1913 with, with the, um, uh, the act that I can't remember its name right now. (laughs) Yes. yes. I mean, I'm saying when, when you look at the, 
they started looking at that in the, in the early 20th century, right? By the time you got to the Roosevelt administration, everything was pretty much set in place with all the different codes that we now live by. And what I found is interesting is that I don't want to call them loopholes because they're not loopholes. They are tax code. But there's, you know, we just don't know. And what is tragic is, in my experience, most uh, tax authorities, tax advisors, financial advisors, CPAs, they don't know about, you know, it's just an amazing way to be able to legally reduce taxes for people who are not W-2 entities, 1099 people, people get commissions, real estate investors, business owners. You know, they they um, have so many ways, especially one way I'll talk about today, about how they can legally reduce their taxes uh, by a significant amount. I mean, I'm talking a significant amount, and it's all a legal uh, strategy that is available in the, US, in the United States tax code. Man, I'm... I'm- Anxious to get into that, but I also how brother, how is it possible that CPAs don't know about this stuff? Uh, because there is, uh, I call it the cookie cutter system, right? You are expected, right. you are taught. It's just like I'll give you an example, a, a, a parallel. All right, so I, in my period of time, I got a mortgage license, I got a real estate agent license, and I got a life insurance license. And the, the two things, the one thing that is in common with the whole educational part of getting those licenses, and what do you think the emphasis of the education you have to go through that's required by the state? What do you think that education is? Any idea? Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea? No. Okay. It's about passing the test. Yes. It's not, it's not about <laughs> Anything of, of any great worth is just how are you gonna how are you gonna pass that that state exam to get your license? Right. Okay. Right. Now, obviously, someone who goes to, to law school, someone who goes to uh, you know gets an accounting degree and they go on to get the CPA. I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying that the attitude, the mentality, is for cookie cutter. This is what this is what the majority do, and this is no one specializes in things that are different, right? Um, right. It's shocking to me how many people, how many professionals have never heard of this part of the tax code and how it works. And I'm in the position where I'm having to educate them, you know, on what this is and giving them giving them the documentation and so on and so forth. I mean, look, as a disclaimer, right, I am not a licensed tax or legal professional. Right. Everything I say is for informational purposes only. I always tell people. Consult with you know a licensed professional before you enter into any financial transaction. Having said that, yeah. I would just add a little bit of a caveat there. Consult with a financial cons- consultant or licensed person that knows about this stuff, right? <laughs> yes. Good luck. There aren't that many. <laughs> well, they don't know about it, but they're not going to do you much good now, are they? And you know, no, they're not. We work with a network of CPAs that are licensed, I mean, licensed CPAs who are specialists mm. in serving trust clients. And you go to someone like that, they'll give you the whole scoop. But unfortunately, a lot of them don't. Yeah, I mean, this, that is, is that is specialty, right? So think about this, okay? If yes. you as a medical professional, let's say that you are a podiatrist, right? Now mm-hmm. you are an expert on that part of the body. That's you. You know what? You, you want to talk yep. bunions? They're going to talk bunions. Corns? <laughs> I'm kind of making fun of them. I apologize. But uh, no, no. worse, I could, have, I could have chosen a proctologist. But I chose a yes. proctologist. But my point is, is that if you have an ear, nose, and throat situation, you're not going to go to a podiatrist, right? Right. So you have a lot of financial advisors and CPAs that are well-versed in what they specialize in. And if they don't specialize in it, they're not going to know. But the ones that do specialize in it, they do know. The, the unfortunate thing is because there has not been that much education about this. And luckily, people like me, we are spreading the word. But it's going to continue to grow over the next few years. But right now, it's still a very significant minority of licensed professionals who know about this and specialize in it. Yes. Let's talk talking about education. So is it? Okay. Here we go. Are you ready? For, are you are you ready for my beautiful shiny tinfoil hat to come on? 
is it <laughs> is it's really not that out there but is it fair to say that um they do not make it a point to teach these strategies in the college institutions and in higher education because if all CPAs actually knew about this, that would mean that there would be so many more people engaging in these strategies, which would actually result in starving the IRS beast. Is that fair to say? Um, if it was me, I would not have the tinfoil hat on. I think <laughs> I would just put a dollar sign above my head. <laughs> and I would say they cater to the masses and they cater to what makes them money. Yes. And I think that's more of a monetary decision based that the, that the educational uh, institutions make. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I just think that's where the money is and it's easier money. And, and that, I mean, it's, it's, it's the idea of the herd, right? This is where the herd is going. That's right. where all, I mean, so many more people in the herd than there are in the ones that are going a different direction. And that's, I think it's just a question of money. Hmm. It's always a question of money though, isn't it? It's always follow the yeah. money. It's always, yeah. um, uh, money creates the power and control, et cetera. But, okay, brother, you you talked to me about this um, in our pre-show. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I had never heard of this before. I had no mm-hmm. idea. And I was, again, really just enlightened when you provided some of this information. But, dude, go, go into this IRS tax code 643, please. Tell us all about it. And, and just educate us on on right. what that is. So let me start at the, the foundation of this strategy yeah. is a trust. Okay. And this is a this is a very um, I don't want to it's somewhat unique. It is called a non grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary, spin-thrift trust. Okay. Okay. This trust, every pillar, every word that I put there has a specific role in this trust being able to give so much amazing asset protection, but most importantly for most of us, legal tax reduction. Okay. Hmm. Every, uh, so I'll just go over the trust real quickly and I'll get into 643 and Please. how this works. Okay. So the trust is a non-grantor trust, which means that if you're going to be the trustee and you're going to control everything, you cannot create the, the trust yourself with your social security number. It has to be somebody else. And the reason why is that if it is a grant, if you don't do that, if you set it up yourself and you may name yourself trustee, the IRS will consider that to be a grantor trust. And they will consider that trust to be an alter ego of you and you will get zero tax benefits. Okay. That's number one. So what does that mean? You have somebody else set the trust up, name you trustee, and they resign immediately. My neighbor did that. Okay. My tennis buddy, my neighbor, we went down to the UPS store. We had, you know, because I had my trust docs and uh, he signed a document with his, you know, with his social, creating the trust. He named me the trustee and then he resigned. So in 15 minutes, we were in and out and he was done. Okay. Uh-huh. But we used his social to, to get the EIN number for the trust. Okay. So okay. That's, that's how we set that up. Now, the second pillar is that it's an irrevocable trust. That means that you, when you cannot transfer assets into the trust. You have to sell them irrevocably to the trust. Okay. You cannot use the trust as a holding pin where you transfer things back. You can't do that. If you do that, it will, you'll lose any tax advantages you can get in, in, in the strategy. So when you sell something to the trust, it, the trust owns it. That's it. You know, you're the trustee. Now you control it, but the trust is the actual owner of the uh, property. That's very important when we get into the capital gains uh, reduction part of this uh, presentation. All right. So then it's also a discretionary trust, which means that as trustee, you have 100% discretion to be able, I mean, to, to maintain, upkeep, and take care of the assets of the trust on behalf of the beneficiaries. But there's also one very important part of the discretionary power of this trust is that when passive income comes into this trust, you have the discretion to declare that to be an extraordinary dividend for the trust, which, according to IRS Code 643, means that is not considered a taxable event or income as far as the IRS is concerned, as long mm. as it's allocated to the corpus of the trust 
and it is not required by the trust to be dispersed or distributed to the beneficiaries. I'll get into that a little bit later, but that's, yeah. that's one thing. Of course, the last pillar is spendthrift or the, the spendthrift trust, which means that this gives you so much asset protection you do not believe it. I mean, I'll just have one example of that. If the government, federal, state, county, city, if they come to you and tell you that, hey, you know what, we need your land to put a road through, and we're, you know, we're going to offer you this amount of money and take it, or if you don't, we're going to sue for eminent domain and we'll get you out and you'll lose, okay? This trust is so powerful, it will stop eminent domain lawsuits in their tracks, okay? Wow. That means no, no creditor can penetrate it, no court order judgment or seizure overturn, you know, overturn order can be can penetrated. The only way it can be penetrated is if is that they can prove you're committing fraud. That's it. Other wow. than that, it's locked down tight. All right. So that's the pillar of the trust. Now let's talk about how it works. And I'm going to talk about the benefits of the trust and then we'll get into IRS code 643. Yeah. What does this give you? Now, well, I just covered this, the asset protection part of it. So we'll just move on from there from a trust point of view. When you have a some income source that's given you passive income into the trust, okay, that will be considered a non-taxable event for the trust. So think about this, rental, if you have investment properties, leases, things like that, that comes in the trust as passive income, then that will not be considered, a, it's not considered income for the trust. It's not a taxable event. Number two, if you have a trust, any trust assets, real estate, Crypto, Forex, um, you know, precious metals, whatever you have that has value that would trigger a capital gains tax event by selling it normally, if it has been sold into the trust irrevocably, then you sell that, a trust sells that, then there are no capital gains taxes on that, on that uh, sale as long as it goes into the, into the corpus of the trust. In your trust bank account, you don't, and it's not required to be distributed to the to the uh, uh, beneficiaries of the trust. And then finally, it, this trust can work together with an LLC to help reduce significantly the amount of taxes that the LLC is going to have to pay by uh, converting the the active income of the LLC generates as revenue. And converting that into passive income for the trust, which will not be a taxable event for the trust, which means any, all that money that comes in the trust is not taxable. It's not. A, it's not even considered income, according to hmm. IRS Code 643. Okay, mm -hmm. those are the big benefits that come with this trust. So that's a description of what it is and what the benefits are. Now we're going to get into the nitty gritty of why. All right. Yeah. So the IRS Code 643 is in perfect harmony with this trust and vice versa, okay? So what this means is that when you have this money, this income that's coming into the trust as passive income, and as a trustee, this money is in my corpus of the trust. It is not distributed to the, to the trust, to the beneficiaries. At the end of the day, when, the, when this trust, because it files a tax return, it files a 1041 every year, as an EIN number, so it's fully compliant with IRS rules. At the time when you, as trustee, are going to sign that 1041 tax return, the money that came into your trust is passive income. And we talked about this: this could be rents, leases, money coming in from the from as a lease payment from from an LLC, as a K one distribution from an LLC. That's all passive income. It goes into the trust. At that time. You as trustee can declare that money to be an extraordinary dividend, and that will not be considered income as far as the IRS is concerned in accordance with IRS Code 643B. Hmm. The key issues here are that the trust in its contract, in its governing instrument, is not required, the trustee is not required to distribute to beneficiaries and it goes into the corpus of the trust, your bank account. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the IRS rule. If you follow that, then that is not considered income when you declare it to be an extraordinary dividend, not an income, no taxes on income. If it's not income, there's no taxes. Right. Okay? All right. Yeah. So 
That's pretty amazing. And so the same thing with capital gains. It's, again, it's not a taxable event. So, uh, so for you can see right now, for anyone who has real estate, you know, passive, you know, you're you're getting income from there. I mean, that's that's if you don't have a trust, this trust, and that's taxed as, as a short-term capital gains. Whereas with the tr- with this, it comes into the trust. It's not even considered income, mm. therefore non-taxable. Yeah. Okay. So um, now, what's really exciting is if you have people like 1041, excuse me, um, 1099, right? People get killed on 1099 because they don't yeah. have any deduction, right? Yeah. Business owners, same thing. Uh, if if you have if you are providing a service for money, or you're selling something for money, whatever, however way you generate revenue, okay? Then after you, I mean, and we all, if we have a business or we know how tax, we know how taxes work in general, we know that you can deduct whatever you is avail, is is legal to do so. Then that that reduces the taxable amount of of your business's revenue, but ultimately you're going to reach the point where you you can't de- deduct anything more, and you're left with a certain amount of money, and that's where you know your uh, your tax uh, contribution, if you want to put it that way, hmm. of the year is going to be determined. And if you have ordinary income, if you have above one hundred sixty five thousand dollars a year, then you're going to get hit for thirty two percent. Jeez, okay, it's a big chunk. Big. Right, I mean that's a big chunk, and it's like you have the the uh, the government as your uh, you know a third one third partner that provides you zero uh, benefit. Benefit, right? I yeah. Mean, I mean, this is I'm flashing back right now to my first marriage, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> yes. But uh, anyway, uh, so what we do here is very simple. Okay, this this strategy does not work with an S corp or C corp. It's got to be an LLC. Okay. And so before I get into the nitty gritty, I just want to have you understand the concept. Please. All we're doing here is by w- w- working with the trust and the LLC, once we, once you as a business owner or a 1099 person, once you have reached the point that you can't deduct anymore and you have your taxable amount, amount the trust is going to be able to create two more significantly large deductions for your LLC. That's going to bring that down even more. And that money is going to leave your LLC as an expense for the LLC into the trust as passive income. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the goal here is that you want to leave the LLC with as little as uh, money as possible at tax time. So that way, it's you know, it's, there's less to be taxed. I mean, you can agree with me, right? That if you have five hundred thousand dollars as pre-tax, pre-tax net income, that your the amount of money that you're going to send to the IRS uh, for taxes off of that amount will be significantly larger than if the amount is fifty thousand dollars. Hundred percent of the year. Yeah. Right. 100%. Yeah. You agree that, that that concept is very simple, right? It's easy to understand. Yep. All we're doing is that we are adding two more expenses to your LLCs pre-tax net income that will lower it to a much more palatable amount, which will reduce your taxes for the LLC and their expenses for the LLC. They are passive income for the trust, which they've already went over. It's you know declared as an extraordinary dividend. That's not even considered income uh, for the trust, according to IRS code 643B. Okay. Mm. So how does that work? Very simple. You have an LLC that has assets that allows it to generate revenue, correct? Yes. So you're going to sell. The LLC will sell those assets and they will get into the trust as trust assets. Now the trust is going to re is going to lease those assets back to the trust. Excuse me, the LLC part of these. Yeah. Okay. So now the LLC has sold its assets, but they're being leased back to them, to the LLC by the trust. So the LLC will make lease payments throughout the year to the trust for those assets. Hmm. So a lease is a, is a, is a deductible expense for the LLC and a lease payment for the trust is passive income. The next thing you do is you make the trust a 90% member or partner member of your LLC. 
So now you're 10%, you're the managing member, but the trust is a, is a 90% limited member. So at tax time, the trust has basically an equity position in the LLC and needs to get paid. Hmm. So once you deduct the lease amount, whatever's left over, 90% of that is then go over to the trust as a K-1 distribution for its 90%. And again, a K-1 is passive income for the trust. That's going to be included in the amount that will be declared an extraordinary dividend by the trustee, which will make it a non-taxable event. Right. Now you've gotten most of that, most of your taxable money, uh, taxable money in your LLC reduced down enough to where, you know, you're going to pay what three, five, ten percent max of whatever you would have paid. Hmm. Otherwise, your your net income is going to go down to very low levels, so that's going to be taxable. Yeah, three to five percent. That's a much easier check to write. <laughs> you know. Yes. Yes. So nobody here is saying. That you're that you're diverting money to the trust. That would be a violation of the IRS core principle of the assignment of, of income doctrine, which states that the taxpayer taxpayer the entity that, that earns the income pays the taxes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes we get accused of saying, "Oh, this is just this is just, you're just diverting money. That's a scam." It's like, no, we're not. I just ter- I just told you right. that all we're doing is created two more legitimate deductions, expenses for the LLC, a lease payment, and a K-1 distribution for the trust being a 90% member of the LLC. Okay? Those are legal uh, um, transactions, and it gets, but it gets you down to where very little of your of your money in your LLC is left over to be taxed. Okay? Like I right. said, 3 5 10%, whatever you want. Now, you can be less, you can be less aggressive if you want. I mean, you can you can do a, a K one or a, you can make the trust a fifty percent member or thirty percent member. It's just it's your your decision to make with your with your your licensed CPA that you do your tax authority. I'm just telling you that you can. That's how the max can be. Okay, it's up to you how you want to do it. Right. But the strategy is exactly this, and it's completely one hundred percent legal because the because the LLC is is going to pay taxes on the money it earned. The difference is that it, you know, the lease and the K-1 moves the money over to the trust as legitimate business expenses. And the trust is not going to pay because it's going to be declared an extraordinary dividend. And that is 100% allowed by the IRS in IRS Code 643B. I mean, it's there, right? There, there's it, it, it is absolutely there. And a uh, quick question for you. When you when people go to sell, set up the LLC, does it matter what state the LLC is in or just the fact that it's an does LLC? It does not matter at all. It does not matter at all. Okay. And, and those so are... You have to do the whole Wyoming thing or all those other things that people would do. Nevada, right? All no, that. You don't need that at all. It's all crap. <laughs> it's I'm all... sorry. It's crap. It's all crap. <laughs> and all, all it is is just more, more money going to... You know, attorneys, financial advisors, and, and CPAs. Right. That's it. All it right. is. That would never happen, though, Don. Come on. Um, okay. So you, wow, I didn't even know this before. You, you also, in the midst of having all this set up, you, you are shielded from imminent domain prosecution. Yes. Right. Yes. That's phenomenal. Yeah. That's awesome. And so, I, a question I jotted down real quickly is that when you choose, when you choose that person in the in the process, right, to to yeah. get the EIN set up. You chose your neighbor, you said, right? I did, yes. Okay. So, and then because it's going to be reverted 15 minutes after or just very shortly after, right? Yeah, does it does it matter who you choose? No, not really. Okay. I mean, it just can't, it just cannot be somebody that would end up being in part a part of your trust. And it's better okay. not to be a neighbor. It's better not to be. A, I mean, it's, it's better not to be a family member. Is what I'm trying to say. That's what I was gonna. That's what I was getting at. Be- better not to be your spouse who you filed, filed taxes with before, etc. Anybody that's close right. like that, right? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Um. So, for clarity, uh, can can W two employees get this protection? Get this benefit? No. Okay. So tell can tell I- us who this is for. Who who is? Um, Anyone that that does not is not a W two employee. I mean, that's really it. I that's mean, it. but you know, listen, it's not, it's probably not going to be, 
uh, in your interest. If you're not, you're not making money, you know, if you're not, if, if taxes are an issue for you, then, then don't, uh, then you shouldn't do it. You know, it's just not, I mean, cause it, it does cost money to, to get a trust. So I guess my, my, my feeling would be that, you know, unless you're making, unless you're getting, you're paying taxes in a significant amount, then, then you might not, this might not be worth the stretch, but if you do, then it certainly is. I mean, I'm talking to people that are, that are paying $300,000, $400,000. I mean, I had an attorney contact me recently from uh, Tennessee and he's got a, you know, he's got a, a, a client. I mean, he's really learned the land, the option game with real estate in Florida. Hmm. And he, he says, look, my guy's paying $400,000 in taxes this year, 2022. Wow. And I went over this with him and showed him how, if he follows this, this, uh, uh, strategy that you know he'll be lucky to pay for you know <laughs> jeez you so know, very little. he got going right away didn't he no because he's an attorney and he wants to do his due diligence oh of course so. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. if you don't mind if you don't mind because i know there's people out there who are skeptical and i want of course you know, I, want to, I want to literally show you hopefully you can see this okay can you see this Yep, IRS Internal Revenue Service number, release date, index number. Right. It's got uh, all that. Yeah. Yes, this is what they call an IRS private finding letter. So, okay. what is this? This is an IRS document. There, in 2015, there was a dispute in a family about a trust, and specifically about how much money. The the uh, uh, grandchildren and the great grandchildren should have gotten when when the when the when the trustee died or the trust it had to do with, with trust distributions and so forth. Okay, mm-hmm. and so there was four separate issues that they requested that the IRS rule on. One of them was the number three, which said they wanted the IRS to make make a ruling about the money that was distributed from an LLC to the trust. In compliance with a settlement agreement, they wanted the IRS to say that that's not that that was income, okay? Mm-hmm. And the and the other people that were in the trust said no, that is not income by, you know, according to IRS Code three six forty three B. So what this means is that the IRS went in with a fine tooth comb and ruled on this, okay? This is a, this is like case law mm-hmm. for the IRS, all right? And I want to go over this with you in in. And if you don't mind me reading a little bit, if you have a, have a little time, I, d- I don't mind at all because I think this is this is peop- this will strike this will strike the naysayers, right? This will yes. this will you know. Please do just get the information out. I am quoting from the IRS right here. This private fund finding letter. It yeah. states, Section six forty three defines the term distributable net income as the taxable income of a trust computed with certain modifications. 643A, Section 4, and the regulations that are under exclude exclude from the computation of distributable net income with respect to trusts that qualify under subpart B, IRS Code 643B, mm. right? Those items of gross income constituting extraordinary dividends, which the fiduciary or the trustee, acting in good faith, does not pay or credit to any beneficiary by reasoning of his determination that such dividends are allocable to the corpus under the terms of the governing instrument and applicable local law. Did that not just corroborate what I said in my description about how this works, right? Yeah. So that was just laying the groundwork. Now we're going to go we're gonna fast forward to the ruling in this particular case, Okay. So this is what this is what the IRS code ruled on this. They said that uh, the distributions to great grandchild four and great child great grandchild five are extraordinary distributions and are excluded from the definition of income under six forty three B. Okay. Yeah. These distributions are not part of the trust distributable net income and therefore are not included in the income of great grandchild uh, four and five. Okay. Wow. So what does that mean? That means the IRS right here said it's not income because of 643 B. 
That, folks, is from the IRS itself. Right. 100%. Man. Um, boy, that's awesome. What do you think? Again, I don't know why I asked this, but <laughs> do, you, do you think this the option for this strategy will ever go away? No, I don't. Why I not? Don't. Um, who do you think takes advantage of these kinds of strategies? I mean, I'm sure our politicians do. I'm sure the powerful, rich. <laughs> right? People who make the laws do. You know, right? Look how long it look at how long it took them to make meaningful changes in the deduction for a mortgage interest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who mostly did that affect? That affected mostly the middle class. Right? right. Right. And look how long that took. Right. Um, what happened? What happened in the previous administration? Did did did, uh, did, did they go after the the rich? No, they did not. They went after the, you know, they didn't go. They, they gave huge tax cuts, right? That are right. not easily clawed back, right? So, in my opinion, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it will. It's been there. It's been there since day one. It's still there. Hundred years, almost a hundred years later. Wow. Yeah. Even if I mean, what if again, just throwing stuff out there. What if? 30% of the 30% of the eligible population in the country start doing this, right? Start taking advantage of this. You still don't think they'll they'll say, "Well, yeah, we got to look at that and tweak it a certain way for us and so that it benefits us and not them anymore." Look how look how long how look how long the 1031 exchange has been around in real estate. And that that shields a significant amount of money going to uh, the IRS. They've been talking about changing that for decades and still there. Yeah. So, so okay, paint the picture for me here, Don, really quick, man. The um, So who is this for? Not W-2 employees. Obviously, they need to be business owners, anybody but a W-2 employee. What, I mean, what would you, to help people qualify themselves, if you will, is it worth for this person, for me to do this or not? What's their income well, level? How much are they paying in taxes, et cetera? Yeah, if you're not paying taxes, then you're fine, right? Right. If you're, if, if you're, if you're a 1099 contractor, if you're a business owner, if you're an investor, if you're paying five, ten thousand dollars a more a year in taxes, then yeah, you should do this or right. above, right? Right. Yeah, because even even the investment to get it set up, I mean, yeah. you you're you're kicking that in the first year, the first tax year, right? Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. you're making it back and then some, right? Right. So it is worth the investment, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent is. <laughs> I mean, it's simple math, right? You don't, you don't have to figure it out. So, all right. So really quickly. So you just, you made about as great a case. I think that anyone ever could, as far as the legalities of implementing this strategy, that there, mm-hmm. if you just follow this and do this and do this and you get yes. it set up properly and you, yes. we're going to talk about the maintenance and day to day here in a little bit, but if you do all this stuff, there's there is no blowback. There is nothing they can come back on you for. And that no. seems like it's very solid in the letter that you just put out and everything you just set up to this point. Right. Right. So, go ahead, please. Yeah. I'm also saying that this is not this is not somebody behind the woodshed with a with a with a mimeograph machine. I'm dating myself. I know what a mimeograph machine is uh, <laughs> or a printer, you know, you know, just put out cookie cutter trust. This right. is done. When you reach out to me and say, "Don, I want I want this trust," you know you're going to get it from a law firm. Right. A law firm has held the copyright trust for almost 50 years. Wow. Okay. It's not we're not talking about you know the back of a back of a of a Buick. You know, with the trunk <laughs> open, there's a trust, right? And yes. The law firm is going to create this trust for you. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, I, 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 I talk to some people and I keep going through this stuff and I say, what else do I have to tell you that this is actually 100% legal? It's all legal. Yes. But that, because and, you're part of it doesn't mean it's not, it doesn't mean it's illegal. That's right. Just because you are unaware, just because right. you are uninformed, that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, that it's not legal, that you can't benefit from it. It doesn't mean any right. of that. People think right. because they don't know something that it doesn't exist. That's absolute crap, man. That's in all facets of life. And so that leads me to the next thing. Okay. So, I mean, you, you just said, what else do I need to do? But I mean, what would you say to someone that still doesn't possibly believe that it could be legal? They check off all the boxes. 
They're making enough money. They pay way too much in taxes, which is everybody, right? And and they have this option for them, but they still look you in the face. Don, I, I don't I don't know, man. I've got the um, money. I can pay you to get it done. I don't know. I, I just don't know. I just I just don't know if I buy it. Um, I have heard some people say I would rather pay the taxes than have a worry in my head that the stormtroopers are going to come in my door at, at three in the morning and pull me out of bed and, and take me to jail. And wow. what I tell them is, what I tell them is, you know, you're a very generous person. I, you know, um, I can, if I help you feel better about, about future horrible events that may, may never happen, will you give me $10,000 a, a year? You know, <laughs> that's all you're paying for. Right. It's just like, you know, what can I say? I mean, people have, reason emotional reasons why they don't do things and you can tell people to the to the to their to your blue in the face they just will not believe it so my feeling is okay move on i right. mean with all due respect to you as a human being you're a freaking idiot right but what can you say you know i mean I, they're gonna i don't know i don't know you, nothing job, you can do my job is to educate my job is to educate and provide the means for them to get this you know, like I said again, I'm not a, I, a disclaimer again. I'm not a licensed person. This is for informational purposes only. I'm here to educate you. I work with a company that is licensed by the law firm to to create the trust. We promote it. We sell it. We service. You know, we help you get everything set up. All that stuff is done uh, for decades. It's been around, and it, um, we we're available if you want to. If, if if I've done a good enough job educating you, and you see that this is the legal way for you to solve these problems. If you're paying that kind of money in taxes, that's a problem, right? Yeah. And, and, and Brent, I'm not even talking about, you know, the, the stuff that you can do. I mean, so here's, here's another little nugget for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Notice how we kept talking about distributions. Don't take distributions. Don't take distributions. Mm-hmm. So people are going to say, well, Don, I got to get access to the money, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. And this is how you're going to be able to do it tax free. Okay. When you sell your assets to the trust, it's a sale. There's a buyer and there's a seller, right? Yeah. But the difference is that the trust is not going to pay you money immediately. It's basically giving you an IOU. It's called a demand note. Okay. So I was talking to a, a gentleman today and he said, okay, well, you know, my, I have real estate. I have different assets. And I said, okay, let's start, let's start, let's start. Computing, okay. He says, "Well, now I've got a, I got a, uh, um, a property. It's worth, you know, it's two million dollars, and it's free and clear." I said, "Okay, this is your primary residence." Yes. I said, "Okay, well, you can sell that into the trust. The trust will give you a note saying, I, the trust, owe you two million dollars.' Okay. So, and we said, so what else do you have?' So we compiled the, the assets. Now, if it's an investment property, it's not your primary residence. Then you, the price." of the sale is not going to be the, the, the value now. It's going to be based off what you paid for it at the beginning when you first acquired it, minus any appreciation you, or depreciation that you may have taken along the way. So it's based like a cost value, not a cost basis value, not as um, a, a book value, right? Retail mm-hmm. value. You do that because you don't want to trigger a capital gains event when you're selling it into the trust. But any contract for sale or service has to have some kind of consideration. So it's going to be a note. So let's just talk about the $2 million that he has in his, in his primary residence. That means that whenever he wants or needs cash, the trust can cut him a check for, say, $30,000. All that will do is reduce his demand note from $2 million down to $1 million. Uh, 700 or what is that? What is that? I'm horrible at math. Uh, 1 million 900. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. 30,000. Okay. Yeah. So 30,000 he gets, that's not a taxable event folks. Wow. So you don't need the, the, you don't, they don't, no benefit, no distribution need to be made because the demand note is going to be able to give you the cash you need. Oh, and that's not all for the beneficiaries. The trust can pay for so much more as a trust expense, then you can get away with as a write-off in, a, in, a, in an LLC or a corporation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's say, for example, if you have minor children, they're beneficiaries of your trust. Trust will pay for everything as a trust, a tax, as a taxable, I mean, as a, as a uh, trust expense, hmm. school, health, wellness, clothes, food, the trust pays for that, not you. Hmm. Okay. 
So as the kids get older, they need, they need tutoring. Trust pays for that. Okay. You want to buy them a car. Well, you, the trust buys the car for itself. They drive it. And the trust pays for the gas. It pays for the, the, the tire changes, the, you know, anything that has to be done with that, tr- with that vehicle, trust pays for it. Okay. So it chips away. So you pretty soon you find out that so, the trust can pay for so much as a trust expense. You don't really need that much cash. And what you can, what you do need, you get from the demand note. As long as there's money in the trust to pay for it. Wow. So that that thirty thousand dollars that you get, or that the mm-hmm. trust gives you, right? Now, now yeah. I'm I'm trying to connect the dots here, and I'm saying, okay, well, that is you can use that for living expenses or whatever you yes. want, right? That's just that's your money free and clear, right? Right. But living expenses, if the trust owns the the, the house you live in. Right. So it's paying the mortgage, it's paying the, the, the insurance, it's paying for the, the, the landscaper, it's paying for the, you know, the maid, whoever you want. The trust is paying for all that as a trust expense. That you need a new a roof, uh, hurricane comes, you, know, you got you to pay the roof deductible for the insurance, trust pays for that. Wow. You say, hey, you know what, I want to put a pool in, trust pays for that, right? Okay. So the cars, they're all trust assets, trust pays for everything like that. Okay, so, so it, it pays. We have, we have three things that the trust cannot pay for. It's okay, let's do it. The three Fs. Food, fashion, fun. Okay. Okay. But for minor children who are beneficiaries, it's just fun. We'll pay for the food and the fashion. Oh, I see. Because they're minors. Okay. Yes. Okay. 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 So... Right. So that's what I'm saying. So that, that $30,000 that the trust gave me at, in my mm-hmm. setup here, I could use that for food, fashion, and fun. Yes. Okay. Now, yeah. you said expenses before. So aside from that, whatever amount of check that, that the trust cut me, right, or paid me or what have you. I, I forgot the language. My apologies. But you, you said expenses. So buying a pool, all that kind of stuff. But does the trust pay for your electric bill, water bill? Yes. All that yes. stuff. Yes. Wow. That's... Anything having to do with a trust asset is paid for by the trust. Any oh man, that's crazy. That is insane, brother. That yes. is that is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, holy smokes, that's crazy. Light bulb, yep. boom, just went off again. Yes. So, <laughs> anything yes. having to do with the house, anything having yes. to do with the pool, anything yes. having to do with the vehicle, anything yes. having to do with the boat. Yes. What else? I mean. Like, Listen, I had a I, I, I had a guy said, you know, my accountant told me to buy a Maserati because I need a I need a, a deduction. <laughs> I, said, I said, whoa. I said, well, think about it this way. I said, you know, okay, so when you when you get your trust, you you're gonna sell the Maserati into the trust, it's gonna be a trust account. I, I asked him, I said, so uh, any upkeep with that Maserati, do you pay for it with post tax dollars? He says, Yeah. So well now you're gonna sell it into the trust. And the trust is going to pay for everything with that. And by the way, if you want to sell it, it's a trust asset. You sell it, and the money comes back in as no, not a taxable event, as a, it's no capital gains. Wow! How about that? That's is that dope. your pipe? Yeah, yeah, smoke, smoke it hard, man. Smoke it hard. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. And, and then think about this, just one little. No, bit please, please before, keep going. Okay? Yeah. Now all this money you're saving on taxes. Now what you can do is the trust can purchase an, a, a, a um, uh, whole life policy. The mm. trust owns it. The trust is the beneficiary of the cat of the death benefit, and it could be any of the any of the beneficiaries can be the insured body. So now that money that you're saving from your taxes, roll that into a, a whole life policy, and then with, but with the trust, remember. You know, you can get what they call a modified endowment contract policy or a MEC policy, which normally most life insurance uh, people say, you don't want that because there's so much in taxes. Mm. Well, it won't be taxes for the trust. Right. So now you can you can get those policies up to their ceiling on cash on their death benefit, you know, the, the cash value quickly with money that would have been paid to the IRS. Now it's going to go into your pocket as an investment vehicle. Then – once you can get that up to 70 to 90% of the cash value of your policy, you can borrow against. You're not borrowing against from the money that's in your policy. You're borrowing from the insurance carrier. Okay. Take that money, 
is, is also not taxable. Put it into a you know put it into a uh, an asset that's going to generate revenue. The trust is going to own it, right? Mm. So that money coming in is no tax. There's no tax anywhere, right? Right. All because of the trust. Um, powerful, powerful, uh, you know, legal tax reduction. Keyword being legal. Yes. <laughs> Don't forget yes. it. <laughs> Don't yes. forget it, my man. Woo, that's awesome. So what's, um, all right, so talk to me a, a little bit about what's involved in getting this set up. What's the process? Uh, the process is extremely simple. You just have It doesn't sound it. like it would be done. But it is. Nice. Listen, Tell us, man. All you When you say you want to do this, and you say, let's go. Okay, I will send you an application from our company. And it's four pages, but actually two of those four is just, you know, legalese, right? The, the, the four questions that you need to be able to provide us is, A, who the settler is going to be? Who's going to be the person that's going to actually set the trust up, right? Because okay. we're going to need their social to get the EIN numbers set up. Yeah. Now, that's your... Neighbor. That's your non-family member, right? Your neighbor yes. or someone else you yeah. trust, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So then you, um, so you, you provide that information on the application. Who's going to, what the name of the trust is going to be. Okay. Who's going to be the, the, uh, the trustee. And, and there's also another officer. It's called a, a compliance officer. And that's basically the trustee as well. The, the, Cause there's one person that has to have total control over the, over the, uh, the trust. Okay. So the compliance overseer and the, and the trustee, they're pretty much the same person. And then who's going to actually purchase it? Is it going to be you personally? Is it going to be your LLC? Is it going to be your S corp? Whoever. That's it. That's sent, that's sent in. Um, we get back to a day later, just say, okay, we want to make sure is everything here. Correct. Yes. Okay, good. Then, you know, the, the money's wired into to our company. There's a three day right of rescission after the, on the fourth day, you're going to get a cert- certification of trust and the EIN number. You take that down to the bank, open up your trust bank account, and then within seven days after that, the law the law firm will you'll, you'll be sent the um, uh, uh, trust book, and then we will start the process of helping you sell your assets into the trust and getting the system set up. Hmm. So That's within awesome. easily within within a matter of a few weeks, you will have this purchased. Received bank account up assets uh, um, sold in the trust, and then we'll, we'll we will recommend one of the CPAs that's in our network that specializes in working with trust clients, and you can you know work with them. They it's basically just normal uh, um, accounting fees they 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 offer they charge, mm-hmm. and then and then you're set, you're good to go. Between them and us, we'll always have an expert to turn to if questions come up along the way, and there's no time frame. I mean, it can be 10 years from now. It can be 20 years from now. I won't be here probably, but, you know, someone will, the, the company will be, and then your, account, your accountant, your CPA will be there or whatever. So you will be taken care of. That's nice. So, okay, that's a great lead-in into um, the last thing I have for you. First of all, the, the, the guy that you spoke to previously, that who he, he really just allowed – he's allowing the fear, right? Again, yeah. we, we should have learned after, after – these last couple of years or so, the, the how fear is actually used with in, in agendas and everything else. And I just think it's sad that he's allowing just a little bit of fear, even though the, the proof is in is right there in front of them, you know, to, to do that. So don't allow that to happen to you. Just this is not too good to be true. Somebody set this up a long time ago, right? They they set it up, it's in place, and you know, we talked about this before, but I, I just I don't think that they set it up for themselves, right? The elites. Let's let's be honest. Like they did that way back in the day to set it up for themselves to exempt themselves, and now that it has gotten out to more people, you know, they don't. Um, they never thought that it would be used by average folks, by regular folks. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind when you when you think that they're going to come after you for doing the same thing that the other people are legally doing. But the last thing you said it was a great lead into into this. Um, talk to us a, about day to day life, right? And I know you touched on it a little bit, but what goes mm-hmm. into actually? I mean, how do I how do I purchase anything with the trust? How do I purchase the car? How do I purchase the house? How do I, you know, all those life expenses? What's like you would normally? Like you would normally. I mean, you get you open the trust bank account. You have a trust debit card. You know, if you want to, as long as there's money in the trust, buy whatever you want as far as an asset. 
and you would like it's a normal transaction. This is a thing that I want you guys to understand. Yeah. Is that I've had a, I've had an S corp for twenty years, and there's no significant difference in how I run my trust as I as I run my business. The only thing is is that there's a different chart of accounts that I have in my QuickBooks, and I'm a, probably a little bit more conscious of receipt keeping, which is listen, it's just a question of you know having my uh, I have an app on my phone where you know I I take a picture of the receipts and label them of what it is for the trust and that's it. And then this, you know, it's, it's so simple, you know, it's nothing different than what I've been used to. So you just use the trust, the trust bank account, the trust, uh, debit card, yes. whatever. Yeah. Um, yes. and just, and just purchase the stuff you, which you can do cause you are, you know, are, you are the, uh, what's the trustee. proper title? The trustee. Okay. I'm the trustee. Yes. Right. Um, so here's the thing. So, so my grandson is a minor. Uh-huh. So my trust pays for every almost everything for him, including I mean he he's in like pre-kindergarten. Now, if I if I gave the money, if the trust distributed gave the money the cash to my daughter, and then she used that to pay the the uh, uh, pre the uh, preschool, then that would be a distribution and that would be taxable, right? Mm. Okay. But I as a trustee directly the trust directly pays for my grandson directly. So you pay the third parties directly. You don't okay. give cash to anybody to pay for something. You gotcha. pay the trust with them directly. Gotcha. And therefore there is a receipt for said transaction that is directly yes. linked, etc. Okay. Yes. It is not a distribution. Okay. Um, random question that I just thought up with. It can, and again, I don't know why you would, I don't know why you would, but you never know, right? Can the trust, um, can the trust get credit cards? No, okay. uh, because it's it's not a question of legality. It's just a question that the, the, the why would someone who uh, is you can't why would you want to give credit to someone that right. they can't sue? Right, right, right. Yeah. So you know, but but you can use one of your own credit cards and just dedicate that to the trust. That's it. I see. Okay, man. There's a lot now. To be honest with you, there's um. I'm, I'm as a, an uneducated, um, being uneducated in this space, I, I'm trying to follow everything. And I know that um, people listening to this will be trying to follow everything as well. And so um, we're going to get to how they can connect with you here shortly, Don, because I, yes. I think they need to. I, I think we need to mm-hmm. start. We really need to start embracing this power that we do have um, yes. and get past the fear or the disbelief that we don't have it just because that's what right. we've been told. We've been told right. what they've wanted us to believe for so long, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you are empowering people every day with this power because um, mm-hmm. it needs to happen. So um, before I ask you the final question, is there anything else that maybe we didn't cover that you really want to make sure people grasp onto before we before we start to close out the show? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a more of a humorous thing, but I can tell you this, that the trust is the best prenuptial agreement ever. Yeah. Because the all property is owned by the trust. And when you sell the property in the trust, you're given a demand note. If it's jointly owned, then husband and wife, they get their 50%. So that's it. You can't, you can't divide property at that point in time. The trust owns it, right? Right. Um, the trustee can remove or add beneficiaries as he or she chooses. So if you've got, you know, if you've got, I, funnily enough, I, I do get this question sometimes from older, uh, older uh, people who are say, well, what happens if my grandson turns into a drug addict? I said, well, you can kick his ass out. You have 100% discretion, you know? Right. And remember, you're not giving money to that, that grandson. You're just paying for stuff for the grandson. Right. And second of all, um, you know, it's, there's no inheritance tax. This mm-hmm. trust is designed to stay forever. You renew it every 21 years. And wow. you always designate a successor trustee to take over when you eventually pass. So a trust will continue. I, I fervently hope that my three-and-a-half-year-old grandson, Timmy, eventually will be, the trust, will be the trustee of this trust. And all the wealth that I've been able to acquire and I will still be acquiring will be available to them. And the government will not get their grubby little hands on it because it's inside the trust. Yep. Protect from yep. the inheritance or estate tax. 
Yeah. This that this is, is is a protective shield around yes. what you've worked hard for. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. you know, yes. we don't earn money without putting out labor and work and effort and time and and uh, lots of grueling, you know, grueling days and effort. And, and you should protect it. I think you should. So, well, Donald, and one last thing. One yeah, last please. Thing. I'm saying one last thing, but listen. The IRS handbook itself for its agents clearly states that it is not illegal for an American citizen to find legal means to avoid paying taxes. Wait, one more. Repeat that one more time, please. Repeat that one more time. The IRS handbook itself for its agents states that it is not illegal to use to use legal methods to reduce their tax liability to the to the to the IRS mm. legal they cannot evade but they can avoid nice right yeah this is a example of using a legal means to reduce your tax burden okay so i come back to people and say look you know what this is no different than putting money in a 401k and divert deferring taxes. Okay. That is also a vehicle to defer taxes now to a later date. The mm. only difference is that this is not deferring a tax. Right. This basically is not even a taxable event. Okay. Right. But you're allowed by law to put money into an IRA. You are allowed by law to put money into a 401k. All right. Yeah. You are allowed by law to buy a property within six months of selling an investment property and not pay tax capital gains tax. You can divert that until you sell that property. You can just do that over and over and over again. That is a legal way to reduce taxes. This is yes. no different. Yep. The only difference is that you know about those. You haven't learned about this one. That's right. Right. Absolutely. That is it. Being informed is everything, man. And so Don, if, one last thing, my friend. So if you could leave, if you could leave the audience, and I ask this every time, if you could leave the audience with just one thing that they could start doing right now that would set them on the path to becoming undeniable, what would that one thing be? Well, like you just said, you have to, you have to power yourself with knowledge. You have to become a student. You can't, you can't, um, you just can't, you can't. Um, rely on someone else saying something because they could be full of crap too. You know? Yeah. And, 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 uh, but the biggest thing is, is that when you realize through your, your knowledge, your, you, you gain this knowledge and you say, okay, yeah, this is, I believe this is real. If you don't take action, you're still a sheep. Yep. 100%. Get informed. Don, mm-hmm. you have been a, um, Man, I'm glad we did this. You uh, you have been a, a wealth of knowledge here, providing not only valuable information, but absolutely credible proof, evidence for your claims and, and for the strategies themselves in numerous ways. And I, I thank you for that. So, brother, tell how can people connect with you? If they want to talk about uh, this strategy more, if they want to get started with you or, or how can people reach out to you? Um, what I suggest you guys do is go to my website first, read my ebook. Cause I, I, I would love to talk to you, but I don't want to talk to someone who, who just listened to this, read the ebook too. Okay. Yeah. So that is H T T P S colon, colon, um, financial freedom, the number four, the capital U, dot now n o w dot s i t e financial freedom for you dot now dot site s i t e and that will get you uh you know um get you to my website download my ebook it's very i mean as you've seen i explain things very clearly i don't have any fluff at all i'm not trying to do any sales pitches i'm merely telling you what this is how it works and why it's great and then you can at that point in time there's my a link to uh, my schedule Schedule a time and we can talk. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And and Don, we're gonna we're gonna get that site and we're gonna link it in the show notes for everybody to make it easy for them to reach out to you. So awesome. Awesome. Brother, thank you so much for the time, for the insight, for the information. Um I, I felt 
I felt empowered just listening to it. <laughs> yeah, man. And so we're, I don't want this to be a one time, one time thing, one and done type thing. So if you're, if you're open to coming back, I'd love to have, have you back Absolutely. and, and continue getting this out there to more and more people. Cause I think it needs to happen. Yep. Awesome. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Have an awesome day. Thanks. Thank you, man. Well, that is it for this episode. I hope that it brought you some authentic value into your life. Now, if you did not hear any nuggets that were undeniably valuable to you in this episode, then something is wrong with you because you clearly were not listening. And if you weren't listening, shame on you. Go back and listen to it again. It's well worth it. So before you go listen to another episode, like I know you're going to do, hopefully this one first again, so you can let it sink in. We want you to pay the toll so we can roll. Now, what does that mean? Simple. Share the show, leave a nice review because all that stuff just helps us grow. And so that we can inspire the masses. And as you heard on the show, empower more people to save on their hard earned money. All right. Remember, this is really important. You cannot become undeniable if you are uninformed. So make sure you bless up mine and I'm out.